Amen. Good morning. Welcome. And the few of you in this room may be seated. Uh, we've got my family here and a few staff and elders, and, um, and we are glad to be back just a little bit. Um, and most of you are at home watching this, and we want to welcome you to Veritas. Um, next week, we are excited to be outside and worship together as a big family outdoors. Jeff's going to give some instruction about that on the back end of our service, but um, we want to welcome you, whether you're just clicking on this link and you found us this morning, I don't know where you are right now in your pajamas, uh, maybe your family's gathered at home, wherever uh, this finds you, I'm excited for what God has for you and for us this morning. So I was, um, what we're doing, uh, just to introduce kind of the, over the last few weeks, we've been studying through the Lord's Prayer and we've been trying to learn how to pray. And we felt like this is an important time for us to learn how to uh, commune with God. We need God more than we've ever needed Him and we're realizing that. I was uh, with my men's group this week and we were uh, praying through the Lord's Prayer. We're on one of those Zoom calls that everybody hates. And so I said, hey, why don't you shut off your video and we're going to do a prayer time. And so uh, I put my phone in my pocket and we were all still on the call walking around with headphones in our various areas. Some guys uh, just got on their knees in their rooms or whatever. But I said, we're going to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And we took it line by line. We would just say part of the Lord's Prayer and then we would just spend some time praying. And about I don't know, 45 minutes later, uh, we were done praying and we had made it through the prayer. And one of the guys commented, he said, this is the first time in my life I've ever prayed this prayer. He said, I I've said it, I just have never prayed it before. And so many of us have uh, said this prayer many times. We've heard that prayer that Jeff read earlier and, but we're trying to learn how to pray that prayer. We're trying to learn how to pray like Jesus. And I have great news for you this morning. When it comes to following Jesus, there are no experts. We are all learners, beginners. There's no masters at this thing. There's only Jesus and he's teaching us and we're trying to learn from him. So we're kind of zooming in on this prayer. And this morning, we are focused on this phrase that Jesus says in the prayer, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And he goes through the prayer and just to kind of look at the prayer uh, a little, uh, zoom out a little bit. He, he starts off the prayer saying there's, there's a few things you need to do. You need to recenter your heart when you come to God. You need to focus on God's name, our father, God's kingdom, and God's will. So we're First thing we do in prayer is we take our eyes off of ourselves and our world and our news cycles and social media and we lift up our eyes to God and we recenter our eyes and our hearts. And then he turns to three specific requests, all connected with this word and. Last week was daily bread and forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation. Next week, we're gonna be talking about the last request, but, but this one is kind of the center of the prayer. And we'll tell you why later on, but here's kind of the big idea of this morning. Jesus wants us to see our real need. Jesus wants us to see our real need. Our real need, according to Jesus, is forgive our debts. 
This week was a heavy week for me as a, as a pastor, um, as a just, a, also um, our family was uh, this week, we went back to uh, Roland to visit uh, the cemetery where my mother-in-law um, it was, uh, is buried. It was her birthday um, last week. And so we took the family and, and we all went to the cemetery and it was, uh, there was kind of that weight uh, for us as a family. But then I got a call this week as well uh, from a, a family that had attended Veritas. And actually, um, these were neighbors of ours. Uh, they recently moved out of our neighborhood, but I got this call, um, a voicemail this week, and it was uh, from Merle Miller. He called and said, hey, Mark, I'd love to talk to you about my fiance, Cindy Schamberger. Could you give me a call? Now, I knew Cindy because uh, she had hired my boys to mow her lawn, and also I had seen her at Veritas. Um, and so we had this kind of connection through, uh, through mowing, and uh, she had attended Veritas, and I had no idea what this was about. I mean, Cindy's 57, great health, and so I don't wonder what, I wonder what Merle needs. So I called him back, and he said, uh, Mark, um, Cindy has cancer, and we're in hospice and she is dying. And in fact, the doctor says she doesn't have much time left. Um, he said today she's been unresponsive all day and we think it's down to days if not hours. And I'm sitting in my car in this parking lot where I'm uh, taking this call and I said, wow, Merle, I'm so sorry. I mean, my, my heart is trying to catch up to this, this moment of all that's happened for, for Merle and Cindy. And so I, I say, um, can I speak to Cindy? You can just put me on speakerphone and I just wanna talk to her. And so I opened to Revelation 22 and I uh, just read to her about heaven and this place with no more tears, no more death, no more pain, no more suffering. And, and I just read through Revelation 22, and I said, Cindy, the words of Jesus in John 11 are this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die, but will live forever. And I said, this is the good news that through Jesus, we can experience resurrection. And I said, Cindy, what matters now is not all of your successes in life, is not all of your failures in life. What matters is that in Christ Jesus, you are loved. You are accepted as his daughter. You are forgiven of all your sins. And through faith in Jesus, you will reign forever in his kingdom, by his grace. And then there was silence, and then I heard a voice say, thank you. Those were Cindy's last words. And Friday night we had a celebration of life service, and yesterday the funeral, and I was thinking about this moment um, 
with, with Cindy talking to her and those moments kind of clarify what we really need in life. What we really need is someone to say to us, you are forgiven. And I just imagine that is what Jesus is trying to help us see that our greatest need this morning is to be forgiven. For somebody to tell us, yes, I know you've failed. I know you've met a mess of your life. I know all of the debris that you've left behind, but someone to look at us and say, you are forgiven. Jesus wants us to approach him with this on our lips, forgive us our debts. Well, some of you have heard this prayer uh, translated different ways. Some of you guys have have been, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us. Some of you have said, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Well, uh, what's with that? Which is it? Debts or trespasses? Well, without going into the details of how they, they translated this from the original language, um, here's what we know. This word means something owed to God. There's been an infraction you have trespassed. You've gone onto like somebody's private property. You have stolen something. You've taken something. Uh, maybe it's debt. You, you owe God something. Uh, that's the idea of this. So debts or trespasses. Luke translates it sins. Um, the, when we think about what this could be, uh, we talk about sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of omission are things that we don't do that we should do, right? It's like we've been lazy, we've been sitting around, and God's calling us to serve. So we haven't been living as, a, as servants. That would be like a sin of commission. Um, sins of, or sins of omission, sorry. Sins of commission are things that you have done that you shouldn't have done. So you're doing things that you shouldn't do, looking at things you shouldn't look at, hurting people, stealing from people. Those are sins of commission. So all of these sins of omission and sins of commission pile up in our lifetime. Now imagine like breaking the law, like say you just broke the law a little bit 10 times every day, right? Uh, You parked where you shouldn't, right? You're getting speeding tickets. You're getting, I mean, just take your life times 10 and all of a sudden toward the end of your life, all of it accumulates and you've got this mass of debts. All the people you've hurt, said mean things about, slandered, and it's like written down. You would have a huge pile of debts, right? Well, according to Jesus, this is actually our problem, is this load of debt that we have. Church, we are living in a crisis right now. Jesus wants us to see the crisis of this moment. You know what, an economic crisis. It's a debt crisis. Uh, Not just a national debt crisis, that's also a problem. This is our debt before God crisis. This is a problem. So if you're taking notes, uh, we've seen that Jesus wants us to see our real need. And our need, number one, is that we have a debt crisis. We have a debt crisis. Jesus tells us this story to illustrate this point from Matthew 18. These verses will be 
on the screen. You can also follow along in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 27. So Peter approached Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? Well, I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents, okay, we're thinking millions of dollars, was brought before him. Well, since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. Well, at this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him and forgave him the loan. Forgave him the loan. In this picture, in this story that Jesus tells, this is really a perfect illustration of what Jesus is talking about in the Lord's Prayer. He's telling a story to, to teach us what he means when he says, forgive us our sins as we also uh, forgive our those who have sinned against us or our debtors. The servant in this story that Jesus tells is us. We are the servants who owe the master millions of dollars that we cannot repay. And this day when the king comes to collect his debt is the day that we die and stand before God. And we will have to give an account and when that book of all our sins is piled up and Jesus says, okay, it's time to pay me back. What are we gonna say? What are we gonna do? And so our only response like this servant is to fall down on our knees and beg for forgiveness. You know what my problem is? I don't know if you guys are like me, but I struggle with this part of the Lord's prayer because when I get to this part, forgive us our debts, I don't really, I know that I'm a sinner, but I don't think my debts are actually that bad. I think my debts are like speeding tickets and not like other people who have debts with like real debts, like murder or something like that, something really bad. So my problem is I often compare to other people I look around and I'm not that bad compared to all these other people. I feel like I'm pretty good, but Jesus wants me and us to see the enormity of our debt. In this, this story of this servant who owes millions and millions of dollars, this is not just hyperbole, this is us before God. Isaiah 6, remember Isaiah, this prophet, this holy man encounters the holiness of God and, and he cries out before the throne. He's like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then he, he says, I am a sinner and I live among a people. He says, I have unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king. Isaiah saw the enormity of his sin before God. As he looked at God, all of a sudden, you realize when you're comparing to each other, you're comparing to the wrong people. You gotta look to Jesus and all of a sudden, that's a game changer because this is kind of an interesting thought experiment Standing before Jesus Christ 
you have more in common with Adolf Hitler than you do Jesus Christ. That is your predicament. And church, we can't mumble our way through this phrase. Forgive us our debts. This servant in the parable fell and begged, forgive my millions and millions of dollars of debt that I could never repay. When I stand before God and I see my sin and he says, Mark, why should I let you into my heaven? I'm gonna look at this record of wrongs and I'm gonna say, you shouldn't. You should not let me in. In fact, you can't let me in. If you're truly a holy God, you can't just pretend this doesn't exist. All these wrongs, Jesus sees as a problem. So he wants us to pray, forgive us our debts. And I have great news for you, church. I have great news for you this morning. To all who come humbly, God's throne is a throne of grace. And this master just unleashes forgiveness on this servant. And you know, I was thinking about this. My problem, as I was saying, is, is that this is not natural for me. It's not natural for us to see our sin. You know what we often see? It's our self-righteousness. We often see our self-righteousness, so we need to see the problem. The problem here is that repentance is not natural. If you're taking notes, that's our second point. Repentance is not natural. You know what is natural? Self-righteousness. It's natural for us to look at other people and say, yeah, I'm pretty good. Self-righteousness, self-reliance is what comes natural to us. But so you know what God does? In 2 Chronicles 17, this is what God does for us. I wanna show you this from the scriptures. This is a well-known passage that I hear quoted a lot. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven forgive their sin and heal their land. Isn't that great news? We hear this quoted a lot, calling for humility and repentance. But do you know the verse right before this? I always hear it start with, if my people who bear my name humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. But Look at the verse right before 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It's verse 13. He says, if I shut the sky so there's no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, if I send pestilence on my people, do you know what pestilence is? Pestilence is a fatal epidemic disease. We are living in the midst of a global pandemic. Here's the third point that I want you to write down, that God uses suffering to humble us. Remember, my problem, like you, is I, I don't really see my need. I, I, I'm good at seeing other people's needs, but I, I don't really see my need. And so God uses these experiences in life to humble me and remind me of my dependence for him. And he says in 2 Chronicles that sometimes it's famine. 
sometimes droughts, crops getting wiped out, epidemics. Let me ask you the question, what has your response been to this pandemic? What has this drawn out of you? Has it drawn out humility, repentance? Clearly, Jesus wants to draw confession of sin out of us. Repentance. Is this what we are seeing in our lives, in our church? Has this made our church more humble? Well, what are you seeing in the world? Is that what's coming out of people? Just love, humility, respect, honor. No, I I see this drawing out a lot of self-righteousness and anger and all those other people that aren't doing this or that or whatever, whichever side you're on. And, and God is wanting us to be humble, church. And so it's fascinating how this ends in the prayer. He says, forgive us our debts, what? As we also have forgiven our debtors. Here's what Jesus is saying. Not only have you piled up debts against God. Okay, he forgives you. He takes all of your sin upon himself. He buries it in the ground. Your sins are forgiven, but guess what happens? Now you turn around, your sins are forgiven, but guess what's happened? You look over here and there's somebody else who's now piling up debts against you. There's somebody that's sinning against you. They're slandering you. They were unfaithful to you. They hurt you. They they cut you off in traffic, right? They did all of these things against you. Sometimes it's people you love and they hurt you so badly and there's this mound of debts, not just with them, but with them. And all these people are just piling up debts against you. They're trespassing you. They're violating your rights and your dignity. They're not giving you the respect. It's interesting that the only thing in the Lord's prayer that Jesus chooses to comment on, he he doesn't explain what he means by your kingdom come, your will be done. He doesn't explain, well, when you talk to God as father, this is really what I want to talk to you. No, the one thing that Jesus comments on is this verse. He says in verse 14, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. Wow. I can't believe that Jesus says this. But it is right here in plain English. There's no other way to interpret this other than what it says. If you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. The parable ends this way. So, I'm gonna actually just uh, not read this for the sake of time, but, but here's what happens. The servant who's been forgiven, he goes out 
to the people. He's just been forgiven all his debts. He begs and he's forgiven and he goes out and what does he do to the people that owe him money? Well, it says there's a guy who just owes him some chump change. And you know what he does? This guy says, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I owe you this money. I can't pay you. Will you forgive me? And he takes that servant, that person, and he starts choking him and saying, pay me back. Like he's just been forgiven millions. This guy owes him a few bucks and he starts choking him and demanding a full repayment. And it says in verse 32, we'll read this, starting in verse 32. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me, verse 33, shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. The last point this morning is that forgiven people always forgive people. Forgiven people always forgive people. It sounds like a Christian platitude or a trite thing to say, right? Forgiven people forgive people, but it's just true. And this is actually the heart of Christian community. This is the glue that binds us together as a community. We treat others the way we ourselves have been treated by God. It's impossible for someone to owe us a debt that would be bigger than the debt we owed God. When we see the enormity of our offense are many offenses against God. It becomes easy to look at this person who just owes us a few bucks and says, oh, I forgive you. And extend the grace that you have been given. It's hard to be mad at your brother and bitter at your brother or sister when you are kneeling before the cross of Christ. So I ask you this morning, who do you need to forgive? I guess there's really two questions too. It's, it's what forgiveness do you need? And who in your life do you need to forgive? This is the great news, isn't it? And this is what we all need. And church, this is how the world is gonna see Jesus as we live this way, as we model this. I wanna end with a story. And at the risk, I, this is a, I'm taking a huge risk this morning. Um, at the risk of losing all of my pastoral credibility, I'm gonna tell you a story about Dolly Parton, okay? Um, I know this is a church of mostly millennials and young people, and listen, hey, listen, I, I, was, uh, I was born in the 70s. I, Dolly Parton has always been this old, uh, kind of almost 
cartoon-like character that I'm like, is this even a real person, right? And um, I was actually, I'm going to implicate Jeff in this illustration. He was like, hey, uh, you should listen to this podcast, like Dolly Parton's America. He listened to the first couple episodes and said it was really, I'm like, Dolly Parton, how could this be interesting? But NPR and Radiolab, they can make anything sound cool. And so I'm like, okay, it's got to be legit. So I listened to it. And one of the episodes um, tells the story of Dolly Parton and forgiveness. Okay, um, so it's the story of the only song that hit number one in three different decades. Do you know what song that is? The only song that's ever hit the charts as number one in three different decades. You can hit pause if you're into trivia and you're like, wait, wait, wait let me think, let me think. Okay, I'm about to tell you what it is, but uh, if you want to hit pause, you can for the trivia people. But I'm going to tell you the story. Um, the whole episode, it waited till the end to tell. So I'll, I'll do the same. So uh, Dolly Parton got her start with this guy, Porter Wagner. Um, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, but he was a country music star on TV in the 60s. And he had Dolly Parton on, gave her her start. For seven years, they were a big deal, right? Um, and so he kind of gave her her start and she became actually more famous than him. Uh, everyone fell in love with Dolly Parton and she came in finally and said, uh, Porter, I'm gonna start my own solo career. And that began this, this breakup that was, that was huge. Uh, it actually, he actually ended up suing Dolly Parton for millions of dollars for breaking contracts and all that stuff. And, and it was ugly, uh, this ugly um, kind of parting of ways. And she wrote a song that she sang to him. She said, I wrote this song. I want to play it for you. And she sat in his office and played the song on her guitar. She said, I, I have to move on. Well, he sued her for millions. And she continued through that whole thing to speak well of him. And uh, just to honor him, paid him back over years, paid him back all the millions of dollars. Toward the end of his life, he fell into some debts and fell into financial, kind of a financial crisis of his own. And Dolly Parton bailed him out. And then in 2007, when Porter was on his deathbed, Dolly Parton was there by his bedside, holding his hand and telling him, Porter, you are a good man. You are a man of honor. And it just poured out forgiveness, grace, reminded him. And this is a man who had sued her, who had disparaged her. And here she is. And the song that she wrote for him was, I Will Always Love You. One of the most recorded hit songs, uh, Whitney Houston made it famous in the early 90s. It was Dolly Parton's song written to Porter Wagner. And the guy hosting the podcast was saying, why did you do this? How did you do this? Why would you do this to this man who hurt you so bad? And she said, forgiveness is all there is. Church, Forgiveness is all there is. This is what Jesus is calling us to pray. To ask him for forgiveness and then to look at the people in our lives and to give them grace and love 
that we have received from God. Let's pray together. Jesus, this morning we need you. We cry out for your forgiveness. Just want to ask you as you are watching this, what sin do you need to be forgiven of? And I can tell you, it doesn't matter how bad your sin is. There is no sin. Like you can't out-sin the grace of God. If there was a sin bigger than God's grace, it would diminish the cross of Christ. So it doesn't matter how enormous your sin is. You can be forgiven this morning. Would you receive that forgiveness? And then I want you to look around. Who are the people in your life that you need to forgive? You might say, well, they didn't ask me for it. I'm not gonna forgive them. No. Would you just extend somebody grace and forgiveness and let that bitterness go? Let that debt just go? Jesus, by this, people will see that we are your disciples. Help us to be this kind of people we pray in your name. Amen.